This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, February 1st, 2015. Mission Impossible on the Run. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. Thank you that we get to delve into this new series, Mission Impossible. But Lord, we know that with you all things are possible. So teach us through your word. Teach us about this guy named Jonah and how we might resemble him a little bit and what we can do about that. We thank you for this day and this time. I pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said... Amen. Amen. So today we begin this new series, Mission Impossible, based on the book of Jonah found in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and our message this morning on the run. So let's jump right into Jonah 1, verses 1 and 2. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And so the story begins. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, who is the son of Amittai. You see, the Lord commanded Jonah to go to Nineveh, to go to Nineveh. Now, it's not an unusual thing for the Lord to talk to a prophet and tell the prophet to do something. We find similar words in 1 Kings 17, uh, 19, where he tells Elijah to go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. You see, we aren't given the exact time frame of all this, but with a little bit of research, we figured out that this time frame was between 786 and 746 B.C., when these prophets lived. And so, as Carrie said, Jonah is a prophet, which means he's an Old Testament character who God calls on to share God's word with the people. Now, being a prophet is usually not a whole lot of fun in those days, as the word God gives the prophet to share is usually one of gloom and doom. Prophets don't usually get to tell the people what a great job they're doing in God's eyes. It's much more likely the prophets will tell the people that they need to turn or burn. And as is the case here, God tells Jonah to go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before the Lord. Now, a couple of very interesting points in this story. God refers to Nineveh as a great city. Go to the great city <coughs> of Nineveh. Now, we did some research, and it's located near the Tigris River where present-day northern Iraq is. According to some ancient historical encyclopedias that we took a look at, Nineveh is one of the oldest and greatest cities of antiquity and the capital of Assyria. Assyria was very, very powerful at the time. Modern day archeologists say that it, it was occupied thousands of years before Christ. And it was at its peak in eighth century BC. So eight centuries before Christ, 800 years before Christ. And so that is the time 
of the prophet Jonah. Now, we are told through um, some, of, some of our research that this city called Nineveh, this great city, had a famous library. It had over 30,000 inscribed tablets, you know, pre-books, tablets, and um, recent scholarship tells us that that is where this famous, I'm going to read it, Hanging Gardens of Babylon. Has anybody heard of that? Hanging Gardens of Babylon, it's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. I looked it up, it's pretty impressive. And so that's possibly located in Nineveh. We paint this picture of Nineveh to show you, really when he says great city, what was going on. In fact, there was a population estimated of 120,000 people. So it was thriving. It was a thriving city at the time of Jonah. Yeah, while it was thriving, it had a reputation that was absolutely horrible. Nineveh was known for violence, for terrorism even, a place in which unthinkable things happened to people. And as a result, Nineveh was a symbol of all that was opposed to the Lord and the Lord's people. And it's because of this very behavior that the Lord is calling Jonah to go to this place and preach against the wickedness. But, you know, in Scripture, it's so funny how often there's a but, isn't there? <laughs> but, Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish. Say the last with me, will you? To, to flee, flee from, from the, the Lord. Lord. All right, so things get pretty interesting now. So the typical prophetic pattern is broken. Normally, God speaks to a prophet, the prophet's the Lord's mouthpiece, and the prophet is obedient and does what the Lord says. Not so with Jonah. The Lord speaks to Jonah, and Jonah does the exact opposite. He not only doesn't do what God tells him to do, but he goes the other way. Now let's take a look at this map. Um, Jonah started out in Gath Hefer. It's right below Israel on that map above Jerusalem. He goes to Joppa and then he goes all the way across the Mediterranean Sea headed for Tarshish. That's 2,000 miles away. We're sharing this because, I mean, really, the guy was so deliberate in going the opposite way that the Lord was trying to have him go. I mean, he couldn't have done it any differently the farthest away he was going. <laughs> it's just hilarious. 500 miles to Nineveh? No, I'll go 2,000 miles to Tarshish. Incredible. You know, the result of this is um, Jonah's kind of the poster child for godly disobedience. Can I get an amen on that? Yeah, yeah. The whipping boy for not doing what God tells him to do. And, and yet, I'm going to have to say, we'll say, if each one of us would take a long, slow look in the mirror, the mirror of obediently responding to God when God calls, Chances are very, very, very good that the image most of us would see 
bears a, bears a very strong resemblance to Jonah. <laughs> I can just speak for me. I, I, I've lost count the number of times, and I'm not proud of it, but I can't tell you the number of times God has called me to something, and I have done exactly the opposite of what God has called me to do. Maybe it wasn't something as drastic as preaching to the city of Nineveh. Well, on the other hand, maybe it has. I don't know. I have a feeling that Jonah looks a whole lot more like you and me than any of us would really care to admit to. <laughs> so my life was going pretty much the way I wanted it to. I was in my late 20s. We were married. We were homeowners. We had three little girls, you know, very quickly. The last service you said beautiful, adorable beautiful, little girls. Beautiful, adorable little girls. We were well, involved I mean, in church. I Devin, I want her to hear that. We were, uh, yeah, involved <laughs> in church. Things were going so well. And I was working my dream job, a job that I wanted since I was four years old as a nurse, and I was working in a critical care unit, man, it was awesome. But then I can't really put my finger on it. Something inside began to boil up and it just felt like something was out of whack. People who I trusted greatly, people who had what I considered years of wisdom uh, before me, began to say that they saw a call on my life as pastor. Well, I was in ministry. I was doing a lot of volunteer work at church and just loving it. So I said, uh, no way, and I laughed it off. Well, this came up time and time and time again. So my name really became Jonah Jones, or Jonette Jones, because I ran away or I ignored what... God was really trying to tell me. And I just preferred to do what I had been doing because things were going good. It's like I just closed my ears. Seven years later, I was at loose ends. And so I went for counsel from my pastor. I mean, that's what we do, don't we? We go to our pastor and we say, something's out of whack. I don't know what's going on. And he said, and I quote, you're missing the boat. Carrie, you're called into ministry. Well, at that point, I really had to face it, and um, I couldn't really run any. I could, but I chose not to run anymore. And so I started the process, which is very long, and I admit I started it kicking and screaming and continued to kick and scream for lots of years, lots of years. Now, remember, I started this in 1985, this little thing inside of me. And so let's fast forward to 1999. By this time, I had completed seminary. That's 90 hours of master's degree work. I was serving in a church as a pastor, and now it's ordination time. Big time in my life, which is a life calling. 1999, final step. Just moments, I'm sitting in the seat, huge auditorium, Lots going on, and I hear in my head, Carrie, why don't you get up and go to the bathroom, and you can miss this whole thing and go back to being a nurse. 
and I recognized the voice, it wasn't God's. It was, it was an incredibly nervy attack by the evil one at the most high point of my calling. And I said, how dare you mess with me right now? This is all in my head. No turning back. My name was called. I went up. There's all these people. I kneel. I felt like I was being crushed into the floor, got up, and I was done fighting. But all this to say that I was Jonah for years, just fighting this call because I didn't choose this. I didn't choose this. God chose it. And so my question is for you, where are you running from? What are you running from? It might not be ordained ministry, but I guarantee... Or it might. (laughs) Or it might. But we all run from something from time to time. What is it for you? What is God asking you to do to trust him just a little bit more, to take one more step toward him, one more way to be even more obedient in your life? What is it for you? Because, you know, you can run, but you can't hide. Especially when it comes to God and when God's calling you to something. It's true for us, and it was surely true for Jonah. Here's what happened next. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each one cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship, but Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The cabin went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. So this story of Jonah is a story of a man going down. A man going down. He first went down to Joppa to catch a ship. Once he was on the ship, he went down below so that he could take a nice rest while everybody else is going crazy, thinking they're going to sink. You know, can imagine the storm, the boat, the rocking. He is sound asleep underneath, just resting like everything. Now, think about this we are possibly like Jonah in this way. You know, Jonah was the cause of the problem, the cause of the sea going crazy. Are there times when we can be oblivious to the fact that we might be the cause of a problem? (laughs) Well, the rest of the crew, the captain, they're just, they're throwing stuff overboard. I mean, you can imagine seeing they're each crying out to their own God and Jonah sound asleep. It's kind of funny here that the captain, he goes and tells Jonah to get up and call on his God, saying maybe that his God, Jonah's God, would take notice of them so that they will not perish. We know that God is quite aware of that situation. God is quite aware of all of our situations. And we find, as we continue to read on in this biblical um, section, that something very drastic and serious is about to happen. Mm. So trying to figure out the cause of the problem, 
The sailors do something we read about several times in Scripture called casting lots, which is kind of like throwing the dice, and the dice would be the determining thing. And and they did that to try to find who's responsible, and the lot falls to Jonah. Go figure. (laughs) And so they ask him, who is responsible for making all this trouble? And then they ask him, what kind of work did he do? Where does he come from? What's his country? Who are his people? They, They want to find out about this character. Well, he tells them he's a Hebrew and that he worships the Lord, the God of heaven, who ma- of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> dry land. And this terrifies them. And so they asked him what he had done. They, they were already aware that he was a running away from the Lord because he had already told them that, Scripture tells us. Well, the sea is getting rougher and rougher and rougher. And so they asked him what they should do to calm it down and... Jonah tells them that they need to throw him overboard. Wow. Throw him overboard and it would calm the sea since it was his fault that the storm was upon them. Well, they didn't want to throw him overboard. And so they did their best to row back to land. But the sea grew wilder and wilder. It got worse and worse. And so they cried out to the Lord, begging God to not take their lives for Uh, taking this man's life. I guess they were beginning to realize that maybe they did need to throw him overboard. They begged God not to hold them accountable for killing an innocent man. And then they threw Jonah overboard into that raging sea, and guess what happened to the sea? It got, it became calm. Absolutely. And they greatly feared God at this point, and Um, offered a sacrifice, and made vows to the Lord. Now, isn't it ironic that these sailors hesitate to throw Jonah overboard even though he is the cause of the problem? I mean, some instinct might be, okay, you're a problem, throw him overboard. They they didn't want to do that. They didn't want to harm an innocent man. Isn't it ironic that they do everything they can to appease the God of Jonah. They didn't believe in that God. You know, they had their little G gods. Isn't it ironic that these men who normally worship their little G gods have a greater fear of the Lord than they, than Jonah does, in (laughs) fact, (laughs) because Jonah's disobedient and they are mortified of what's going on. Isn't it ironic that they seem more God-centered? More God-centered than the person who God has called to share a prophetic word Hmm. to God's people. See, what we have here are insiders and outsiders. Jonah's an insider. Other sailors are outsiders. Jonah, he's part of the establishment, the God establishment, the religious establishment. He's on the inside track. He's a prophet of the Lord, in fact. These other guys, these other sailors, they believe in other gods, not the God of Israel. They're outside the mainstream. And yet, God allows Jonah, (laughs) the insider, to be thrown into the ocean, or into the sea, rather. Some would say it's his punishment, Others might say it was for the protection of the other sailors. 
Perhaps it was just to slow Jonah down a little bit, get his attention, and give him a second chance. Either way, as we see from this scene, God cares as much or more about the outsiders as he does about the insiders. You know, that was a huge, huge, major part of Jesus' message and ministry when he was here. And it continues to be, as we read scripture, of what he shared. You know, Jesus said this in Luke 15, verse 7, There will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. It was Paul talking about Christ in the New Testament there in Galatians 3.28 when he said, In Christ there is no Jew or Gentile, no slave or free, no male or female. See, no matter who we are, no matter what our background is, no matter who our parents are, no matter what town we come from or what side of the tracks in that town we come from, no matter what color our skin, hair, eyes, freckles, whatever, we're one in Christ. Amen. Let me hear an amen. Amen. We're one in Christ, and we are all equal in God's eyes. All equal. All equal. In God's eyes. In God's eyes. Well, when Jonah was thrown into the raging sea, it could have been the end of the story. (laughs) You know, man disobeys God. God shows him and us what happens when we disobey. And the rest of the story, well, tune in at 11 o'clock. But that's not the point of this story. That is not the point. No, this story is a story about second chances. This story is a story of second chances for both Jonah and the great city of Nineveh. And so we find at the end of chapter 1 of the book of Jonah, when Jonah is on the brink of absolute disaster, God steps in. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Mm. How many have heard this story of Jonah before? It's a pretty well-known story, right? In church or even out of church, it's a pretty, pretty well-known story. And, and you know, most people know the story of Jonah because they think of Jonah as the story about a big big fish, right? It's the big fish story. And, and, and that's true. There is a big fish in this story. But the story of Jonah is a whole lot less about a big fish and a whole lot more about a big God. Less about a big fish, more about a big God. A God big enough to care about both the insiders and the outsiders. A God big enough to catch us, whatever it takes at times, and turn us around when we're running in the opposite direction from where God wants us to go. It's a God big enough to sacrifice his one and only son so that our sins might be forgiven 
so that we might get to spend eternity with this big God. A God big enough to love each and every one of us more than we can possibly, possibly imagine. Big enough to give us a second, even a third, sometimes a fourth chance, even when we don't deserve it. See, that's what this story is about. Story about a big God who uses a big fish to give someone a big second chance to join God in his mission, which to many of us seems impossible. So the question, the question for us today is this. What mission has God given you that maybe you're running from? In what areas of your life do you need to, does God need to get your attention and reroute you and turn you around? What's it going to take for that? You know, God will go to great lengths to get our attention. Great lengths to get our attention. Another question. Who are the outsiders that God is calling each one of us to reach and to care about? Because in God's world, we're all the same. We're one in Christ. Everybody has the same unique value. Everyone. So what are you going to do about it? Are you going to run the other way? (laughs) Plop into the sea, so to speak? Or run toward God? Will you accept the mission that God puts before you Because, church, nothing is impossible with God. For with God, all things are possible. That's the good news. Let's live it, and let's believe it. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692. Connection Community Church, connecting people with Jesus and the life he offers.